Previously on Nerd Punches Nerd. So, so this was a movie that had absolutely nothing to do with wrestling at all, and had no no wrestlers in it. There was no, it wasn't an action movie, but it was made by WWE Films. Wow, Halle Berry is an operator, and I thought. Aren't you going to have someone answer a phone and say, uh, someone's being choke slammed here? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. No choke slamming. Yeah. All right, let's move on to what would have been the worst Die Hard movie of the year if there wasn't already a worst Die Hard movie. Olympus has fallen. <laughs> and Gerard Butler okay. is. I need to. I need to say something. I. It's really hard for me to keep straight. Olympus has fallen, and the other one was called White House Down. That's right? right. Yes. Like they are very similar. I didn't I've see either of them, and there's no way in hell that I would be able to tell them apart. All right. So here's 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 the difference. So Olympus has fallen is about a bunch of North Korean terrorists with a secret plan to take down the White House, and they also have another secret plan that's really going on. Thus, the Die Hard parallel and Gerard Butler plays a former secret service agent who basically has to is the only one who survives an attack on the White House and he has to help he has to team up with with the with the ghost of Kim Jong-il who's helping him out (laughs) no there's no team ups and there's no team ups in Olympus has fallen but he does have to worry about the kid of the president to be he doesn't team up with the president no that's the other one right that's right he has to save the president's kid at one point Anyway, and he and he has one good line. And White House Down is about a bunch of sort of techno-fascist Republican terrorists of sorts that basically attack the White House. And Channing Tatum, who is a failed Secret Service agent because he didn't actually get hired, he applied but didn't get it has to help save the president with the help of the president, played by Jamie Foxx. And basically he was about to just sort of, it's a very anti-anti-defense industry. Mm. In, oh, I'm sorry, anti-defense industry. Because it's really sort of saying that Jamie Foxx is going to end all the wars, so now all the defense industry people are mad. And uh. instead of having to save the president's son, he has to save his own daughter. Well, okay, but other so, than that, <laughs> so give me give me something to like like what's what's really like the difference between these movies uh, okay. like in a so in a practical both sense. Stupidly patriotic, however. Uh, Olympus has fallen. Okay, this is this is nuts. But Olympus has fallen. It was by Antoine Fuqua, who did Training Day. Okay, and <laughs> do you remember our old friend? Who did Independence Day? Roland Emmerich. That's right. He's the one who did White House Down. Oh, nice. So I do kind of want to see it now. <laughs> yeah. So in that sense, it actually there are it's, there's aspects that are a lot better. Like Olympus Has Fallen has a much like sort of more cynical way of of hurting people, and there's a lot more like heart to the White House Down. If you, I was going to recommend one of them, I would recommend that one. Okay. You would recommend White House Down, not Olympus Has Fallen. Yeah, if I have to pick one. Well, because, you know, Roland Emmerich, and Jeremy, as you said about Roland Emmerich, you know, for better or for worse, you feel like at least he's trying to, or he he's trying to, to do something entertaining. Or, yeah, or, he, or, he, he that's interesting, because, because really Training obvious. Day Training Day is a way better movie than anything Roland Emmerich has ever done. True, but this movie is not a good movie. 
Okay. This this movie is not Training Day. And let's just say I heard from some people that apparently quite a few of the actors were definitely um, not so happy with how it came out. But anyway, that being said, I think that we can say for either one because we'll eventually pass White House down. Not ner- really that nerdy. Okay. So let's move on to something that nobody saw, which is called Inappropriate Comedy. And let me tell you who was in it. Rob Schneider, Michelle Rodriguez, Adrian Brody, Lindsay Lohan, and Ari Shafir is the amazing racist. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that's it, that's it, an it, impressive cast. Yeah. I mean, uh, putting, aside I like Michelle Rodriguez, putting aside Michelle Rodriguez, who actually is in, like, some decent movies, that's, that is an impressive collection of, of like, you know... Just either shitty actors or, in Adrian Brody's case, actors who are famous for, like, doing shitty stuff and, and like, not caring about it. Yeah, and it made a nice, amazing $156,000. Wow. <laughs> are you serious? Yes. And that was on 275 screens. Wow. So, uh, That's yeah, not so great. I'm sorry, uh, comedy nerds. Because this was not a good vehicle for anybody. Okay, all right. We we need to move to the next one. So I'm going to skip past admission because that's not really. You're going to skip admission. Yeah, yeah. It had Paul Rudd and Tina. Fey. I saw admission. You it was nerdier. It was it was a little bit nerdy. All right, all right. Fine. It's about. I'll hear your argument. Okay, so the reason that admission is nerdy is because it stars Tina Fey. She plays a uh, you know an admissions officer for um, Princeton, and it's all about like her you know, her job and she's, her job is basically to sort through all these overachieving kids that are like applying to Princeton. And at the same time, she discovers that there's this like kid who's kind of, um, Aspie, if I can use that term. Um, <laughs> I think it makes him more offensive. <laughs> no, he, uh, no, he, I, he, I use the term Aspie only because people, because from what I understand, people with Asperger's syndrome actually like to use that term to refer to themselves. So it's not, it's not I, supposed to be a derogatory term. Just, <laughs> I just think um, it's but the point is, I mean, they never say he has Asperger's, but like clearly, that's that's the implication in the movie. And he may or may not be her son. She finds out, and so it's about her like meeting with this kid and with Paul Rudd, who's his teacher. And Paul Rudd is this like, you know, unconventional teacher who's all about like showing kids like different sort of experiences and stuff. Um, so it's you know, but it's it's kind of nerdy because basically it's about like overachieving kids and and like. Tina Fey, the irony of Tina Fey is that she graduated from Princeton, but then, like, she didn't actually overachieve at all. She just ended up working for Princeton, you know, in the the admissions office. And, like, everyone else she went to college with is, like, has achieved much more than her. Um, But but it was, so it it was, it wasn't a great movie. Um, I'll say that. It it was a movie that that could have been better, but it just sort of didn't work all the way. Um, But I do think that it was kind of nerdy. Um, just that it's, you know, it's, it's about that part of the world that sort of, uh, overlaps with nerdiness a lot. That's sort of, you know, like okay. overachieving high school kids and trying okay. to get into yeah. high schools and stuff. Um, right, well, you know, people, people who are socially awkward or, you know, don't quite feel like they fit in that kind of thing. All right. Well, let's, let's move on then to GI Joe two retaliation or the one with the rock and Bruce Willis. Wait. I thought that was The Rise of Cobra. The first one was The Rise of Cobra? That's right. Oh, it's so confusing. I know. The truth is, I've already told you that the best part about G.I. Joe 1, The Rise of Cobra, was Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing Cobra Commander while only half showing his face. Yeah. And I kind of like that. Unfortunately, he doesn't come back in the sequel, which meant I didn't really want to see it. Who plays I... Cobra Commander in the sequel? Ah, 
some, some person. Somebody. Yeah, I mean, you be, like because they just do like a voice him, for him, and they hide his face entirely, so it doesn't really matter. Although uh, I am kind of interested because of the rock part, so I'll probably see it eventually. It's it it it's still somewhat of a contender for nerdiness. It definitely isn't nerdier than than yeah, uh, but than I mean, Chad has has no, it, some of the nostalgia factor, but yeah. It's yeah. it's it's definitely nerdy in the sense that it's based off like a kids' cartoon from the '80s, which automatically makes it nerdy. Yeah. Um, but Is it? yeah, Is Transformers. Yeah, nerdy? I'd say so. The first Transformers movie, I think so. I think it was nerdy in, well, in a sense. This is the second GI Joe movie. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Uh, All right. Well, let's move on. We can skip past Stephanie Mars' bombed movie, The Host. Oh, you want to skip The Host? Well, I'll just say that it failed. It did not do well at the theater, which basically proved that teenagers aren't just mindless idiots. It was, it's basically like Twilight with lizards or something, right? Aliens, but you're aliens, close. but like lizard aliens. Yeah, yeah, it's a, not a whatever. <laughs> All right, let's, let's move on. There was the Evil Dead remake, which also did badly. Uh, okay. But you might want to think of it as nerdy. Uh, but I think we can. Well, the original Evil Dead was nerdy for sure. But this one, no, right? Okay. Yeah. This one, this one was trying to be serious, right? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't trying to be goofy, right? So I'd say that makes it less nerdy. All right. Well, then let's. Uh, now the thing is, then there was something called trance. The trance was kind of interesting in that it was kind of trying to play around with, you know, it, your perspective and memory, and you know, he basically this guy sees a hypnotherapist and it you know, he doesn't remember everything. So there's a little bit of a memento vibe I got at times. It's not as good by any stretch as memento. But there's a little bit of that. That said, I think there's no way you can call it nerdier than John dies at the end. However, the next one is kind of an interesting choice. It's upstream color from the same director of one of the nerdiest time travel movies ever, Primer. Hmm. Have you heard of Primer? Sounds no. Familiar. It's one of like the hardest sci-fi's. When I say hard, meaning like based much more in science. Like they really are very careful. It gets very dry at times. I'm not even such a fan of Primer because I think it's a little too hard to get into. But because of that, you know, this is sort of has that kind of weird nerdy aspect. That being said, I think it's a, it's hard to say because it's so hard to get into. John dies at the end can be also, but I think it's more accessible to nerds, whereas upstream color I feel like isn't really accessible to anybody. Okay, right. I mean it's hard for me to talk about because I I haven't seen it and don't really know anything about it. All right, well let's let's move on a little bit to Forty Two, which was a Jackie Robinson biopic. Okay, That's a little not, bit uh, nerdy okay. to to baseball fans, but otherwise okay. not particularly nerdy. Okay, well let's skip ahead a little bit again to Oblivion which is based on a comic book series starring Tom Cruise. I so, didn't know it was based on a comic book. Just because it's based on a comic book makes it a little nerdy. Right. I would and, agree. And, you know, obviously it's like sci-fi stuff. Not such a great movie, per se. I mean, it it did badly. But that being said, you know, we could definitely call it nerdy. But nerdier? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's move on then to... Uh, one of the finest movies of 2013, The Big Wedding. <laughs> <laughs> with, with a, oh, what a cast. 
You got Robin Williams, Robin Williams, Susan Sarandon, Robert De Niro, Diane Keaton. I'm sure there were laughs all around. Amanda Seyfried, Catherine Heigl. Ugh, what a dream! And everyone's favorite comedian, Topher Grace, who lights up the screen <laughs> with his quirky smile and a, a face that says, "Listen, I know you might want to punch me really hard if you were next to me, but that's why I never hang around people." Oh, <laughs> uh, that movie was garbage. All right. <laughs> what about pain and gain? Because it has the rock in it. Well, yeah, I mean, and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do need to say something about pain and gain. We we might have even talked about this on the podcast before, but um, pain and gain is a movie that's loosely based on a true story. True, um, true. The true story is that there was this guy that got kidnapped by these amateurs, and they like beat the shit out of him to try to find out like where his money was or something like that. Um, and eventually Am- amateurs and what like, am- like amateur kidnap, like amateur criminals, oh. like they weren't like real criminals or at least not like good ones. They kidnapped this guy that they thought had a lot of money. He probably didn't even have that much money. They, they beat him up. They kept him like hostage for like a month. And then eventually like they let him go or something like that. I don't remember exactly what happened, but the point is somebody got a hold of this story and turned it into a movie and made it a comedy. That Which is like was Michael Bay. Yes, Michael Bay, Michael Bay of of the famous Bay's, and he he decided that this story, this true story about this guy who actually got kidnapped and tortured, would be good material for you know a comedy, you know a couple of laps that he could release, um, you know for the early uh, early summer blockbuster season, and starring uh, The Rock and and Mark Wahlberg in it. So and I'm biceps. Yeah. I I kind of really am a little bit bothered by this movie for that reason because it's it's based on a true story which is not funny yeah, at all. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. I, I think we I, it just just at least for the sheer that. like at least for like the sheer kind of like idiocy of it of making that choice. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you can you can have a funny element to it while maybe twisting it if you know what you're doing twisting it in also a like a like a powerful way, but I don't believe uh that man did it. So Alright, well let's move on. <laughs> to uh the, our very first Definitely nerdy movie of the year, other than what we've already said, Iron Man 3, which is, of course, a sequel to The Avengers. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, uh, strong candidate. Strong candidate for to, to unseat John Dies at the end. Who has actually seen this movie? I Sadly, I have not. <laughs> I have not. I don't want to. <laughs> Guys. I'm sorry. I I did see more movies this year than last year, but that I really didn't want to see it. So okay. Well, that being said, it's very mainstream, and I feel like it was done in a mainstream oh. way. Wait, 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 wait. We did Iron Man three on the last uh, uh, nerdiest movie thing. No, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. We did. Yeah, we did. We did. Last year, Iron Man three came out this year. So Maybe Iron we... Man two. Nope, that was the year before. So we talked about Iron Man at one point. Oh, maybe we were just talking about uh, comic book uh, movies. We did talk about comic book movies. Okay, okay, maybe that was it. All right, well, you guys haven't seen it. That being said, I feel like it's hard to say. The truth is, I think John Dies at the End is nerdier because it's both nerdy and much less mainstream. Right, right. I would agree. All right, so let's, let's move on then to The Great Gatsby. Uh, what a shitty movie. Oh, you thought so? I <laughs> yeah. thought that that one moment when Gatsby first is introduced is pretty great. 
No, th- there are some good things about it. Here's here's when I actually turn the movie off. Literally, I turn the movie off. I was giving it a little bit of a shot, even though it was really overdone. When they have, the, when like they're driving on the, I don't know, the, the Brooklyn Bridge or George Washington Bridge, and then they just see like a group, like 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 a like a a group filled with like African Americans or whatever, yep. and there's and in the background they're playing H to the Izzo, like for no reason, just because they're partying and they're black. That's the reason they did it. And that was I was like, all right, this, I'm done with this movie right now. What was, uh, <laughs> this by the way, stupid. what was who, who was driving that car? I don't know. I'll tell you who. Oh yeah, go ahead. Please do. <laughs> Andy Dick. No. Huh. Was it jazz. a Wayne's brother? It was jazz. The jazz. Because <laughs> no, like I, I remember I've jazz. Seen, I, I saw somebody made some gifs of it. And you can clearly see nobody is driving the car. As in, like DJ Jazzy Jeff. Oh, 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 oh jazz! You're saying nobody's driving. Musical genre. <laughs> jazz is just driving it. Oh, you're right. And in the in the passenger side is the Harlem Renaissance. No, I kind of yeah. like the H to the Izzo thing. It was, it was uh, why? Why? It didn't make any sense. Why did they do that? I thought it was Empire State of Mind, but maybe I'm wrong. That would also be stupid. <laughs> no, it was, it's New York. Yes, in the 1920s. Why are they playing that? Why it's are they? Boz Lerman. He loves doing an anachronistic music. Uh, okay, fine. Listen, whatever. It's, it was. It is a nerdy movie. I mean, um, I think definitely we have to we have to at least consider the nerdiness of it. Um, but it's nerdy in a very particular way. It's kind of a literary nerdiness. Also, yeah. it's not a musical. If it was, I think we could rate it more nerdy. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on then to Star Trek Two, Star Trek. Trekkier into darkness. <laughs> yeah, Star Trekkier two, Star Trekker. So, so uh, has so anyone my other feeling, than me seen it? I did see it. Okay. I, I seen my it. I my feeling it. about about this movie and also like J.J. Abrams in general, this is Star Trek movies, is that like Star Trek is is like a super nerdy franchise, super nerdy. But in the hands of J.J. Abrams, it's much much less nerdy than it would yeah. be otherwise. Here's how I describe this movie. It's kind of like fun while you watch it, but the instant the credits roll and you start thinking about anything that happened, you realize it made no sense at all. <laughs> um, that's that's basically true, except I would say that like even in the middle of the movie, there's things that happen that make no sense, and you realize at the time that they yeah. make no sense. Well, I was saying, but yes, you know, that's that is pretty accurate because like you do kind of get yeah. caught up in the action a little bit. But then, then you start thinking about it, and it really makes no sense. Well, here, so what here, that means is it's a dumb action movie that just happens to have just being space characters, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. and yeah. they're not really the Star Trek characters. Well, they're just here, characters that are called Star Trek heroes. I mean, is it how is it really Spock? He just gets he yells at the top of his lungs. He starts punching a guy. This isn't Spock. How is Kirk? He didn't even hit on that girl. He is. He wasn't Kirk. Come on. That girl took off her clothes in front of him. That was obviously saying, come on, hit on me. And he didn't? Come on, that's not Kirk. Yeah, I didn't yeah. buy it. Well, I mean, uh, uh, here's what I will say. They like, I actually enjoyed the movie. I didn't like the first one. I didn't enjoy this one. However, one thing that could make it nerdy in its own way, even though I've never seen the show that he's on, uh, the fact that Benedict Cumberbatch was in it, and like people, are, I people have just gone crazy over him in the past year or so. Ugh. And oh, you're not a fan. You're not a fan. No, of he's Sherlock. a good actor, but I'm so sick of everyone just go blowing their wad at this guy. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's that term means what you think it means. <laughs> 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 well, perhaps.
much. I don't know why everyone's tigering his Euphrates. <laughs> um, maybe I didn't use it correctly. But that, but the thing is, okay, remember the scene in which he introduces himself and he uses this kind of really like, he's like, so who are and you? I am. He's like, I am Khan. And he's, you know... <laughs> Like the if you that remember that you remember dumb. that video that did the how it should have ended they did it they did it right how that should have done where he did, they have that and then Kirk says well I'm Kirk nice to meet you <laughs> <laughs> because of course you know apparently so I didn't see the original movie but in the original movie of course it was based off of the show in which Khan had already been an established villain mm, right. so it's a different sort of thing and whereas here he's acting like everybody knows who I am they don't know who he is he's just some weird guy whose motivations make no sense. <laughs> no sense at all. Ugh. The character. Anyway, Benedict Cumberbatch, at times I thought did a good job. Other times I think he was just too hammy. And I think he's he was better. super hammy. Like, when he was in the cage, he was like, because of me. Like, he was like doing like, you know, sometimes you have like, like stage actors. Like, the on thing is, stage. on Sherlock, he does a lot more like subtle, interesting acting. And I think that's a lot better. Than there, were, there were a lot of problems with that movie. Benedict Cumberbatch really is pretty far down on the list, I yeah, think. In terms of, like, he's probably the best in terms of acting. Although mm -hmm. Simon Pegg was okay. But everyone else is kind of like, eh. Even RoboCop wasn't in it enough. All right, so I think we can already say, just because of its failure, it was not as nerdy as John dies at the end. And also because it was trying so hard not to be nerdy. Yeah, it was trying to be mainstream, I think. Yeah. I agree. All right, well, let's move on to something else. It was called Francis Ha. And I did see this one. It's very indie. It is so, so indie that I have to say that it's kind of nerdy because of that. It just tries so hard to be nerdy. Okay. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about it? Because I don't know anything about it. Francis Ha is a movie that was filmed in color, but was post-produced to look black and white. It's about this girl named Frances, who is basically an apprentice for a dance company. She's actually not a great dancer. And there's a whole thing about her and her best friends and how she wants to, she has all these dreams, but you know, it's really not, it's always, not always so feasible. And it's basically just sort of a, it's like a fairy tale if there was no literal magic, I guess. It's like it has a very kind of lightness to it. You know, she's sort of she's like a manic pixie dream girl, except there's no one she's acting against. She's not doing it for anyone other than herself. She's her own manic pixie dream girl. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I mean, okay. yeah. That being said, I think we still can't put it higher than anything else. So I say we move on to okay. our uh, second rock movie of the year, second rock sequel, Fast and Furious Six. With the new Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, or Gadot, and no. I think this is too—it's self-consciously stupid. But the the Fast and Furious movies were never nerdy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just—they're about like you know, fast cars and explosions and people shooting each other and and like sexy women and stuff and like not there's nothing really nerdy about them. All right. Okay. So how about this one? religiously nerdy movie fill the void about a bunch of hyper-religious Jews in Israel and the worries that it's sort of like a romance where nobody's allowed to touch each other. Mm. It's got a kind of a cult nerdiness to it, but, but, but I don't think we can qualify 
religious nerdiness as really nerdiest nerdiness. You know what I mean? Okay, so let's move on. It's it's a nerdy movie among our people. Among <laughs> our <not> people. <laughs> yes. So there was something called Now You See Me, which is sort of like a magic movie, you know, like about a bunch of magicians, you know, with Michael Caine and Morgan Freeman and Woody Harrelson and Jesse Eisenberg, Isla Fisher, and it had a very Ellen, Mark Ruffalo, you know, the Hulk. It had a very slick look to it. It did really well, so much that they're actually making a sequel. Have, have either of you seen it? No. No, I didn't see it. I'm going to have to say it's not really that nerdy. Even though there's a lot of sort of intelligence talked about in the movie, it's a little, it's too slick. It's too, you know, mainstream, if you will, to really be that nerdy. Ew. <laughs> and I think we can also get past After Earth, you know, which of course is just about, you know, how hard it is to be Will Smith and his son. <laughs> Except with sci-fi monsters or whatever, because come on. That that was a movie that, if it had any traction at all, if it hadn't been like completely horrible, it might have been a little nerdy. But like, if nobody cares about it at all, then like, because yeah. like part of part of the thing about being nerdy is that like it you know a movie that's nerdy shouldn't be like mainstream popular, but it needs to have like its diehard fans who are obsessed with it, right? Right. right. And right. nobody's right. obsessed with After Earth except for just how bad it is. All right, let's move on to the greatest movie about Google of 2013, The Internship. Which is also the worst movie about Google in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this movie. What a disappointment. I mean, it's basically... You think it could have been good? That's what you're saying? The Wedding Crashers movie was funny. Was it by the same people? I know it's the same actors. But... Yeah, yeah. It was by the same people. So, yeah, Google, in, in a way, is kind of nerdy. Like, the idea about working at Google. But it was done in such a bleh way. I can't approve. Mm-hmm. I think we're all on the same page there. Yeah, okay. We, we need to move on from that. Let's move no, on to the first serious contender to John Dies at the End. Which much is? Ado about, it's Much Ado About Nothing. The black and white Shakespeare adaptation that's not really much of an adaptation at all, starring a bunch of Joss Whedon regulars and directed by Joss Whedon at his house as they were taking a break from filming The Avengers. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I mean, not not like while they were taking a break. I think that was, people describe it more as like a, a palate cleanser. Like yeah, after, it was after, after he finished the Avengers. That's right, after he finished. Right? And then he exactly. decided to do something very, very different. And this So that's, pretty... I, I agree with you that this is definitely a a a contender for, um you know, to unseat John Dies at the End as, as the nerdiest movie so far. I it's, think it. I think it edges yeah. it out. You know, there's so yeah. much like nerdy baggage going on. Yeah, and it's not really mainstream. Really, well, first Shakespeare it's really first. First it's Shakespeare, and like you know, so there's tons of Shakespeare nerds that are into it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's in black and white, which already makes it like a little bit pretentious. Um, of course, there's there's the whole Joss Whedon uh, side to it, where it was yeah. directed by Joss Whedon. It has all of these friends of Joss Whedon who are people that that have been in other Joss Whedon properties that you know. If if you like Joss Whedon, you'll recognize almost everyone in the movie. Yeah, there's one um, person who Joss Whedon cast for the first time in the Avengers, and just like you're great, you're going to be one of the leads in this movie that I'm making in Shakespeare. If you want to, who was so, it? Uh, Clark Gregg. No, 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 no. He was in a couple of things before that. Who are you talking about? No, the girl who plays. Ugh, I always forget how to say her name. But who plays the the main girl in Much Ado About Nothing? 
Okay. Uh, hold on, let me try to load this up here. So, so yeah, you have the combination anyway of people people who are into Shakespeare, people who are into Joss Whedon, um, yeah. which which led to some people being like very very obsessed with this movie, um, and it's definitely uh, quite nerdy. All right, so I think this inches out John dies at the end. Yeah. Just yeah. by a little bit, but I think it does. What do you say? Sam? I agree. I agree. I think right. it does. Let's move on to another potentially nerdy property, Man of Steel. Now, obviously, it's another comic book movie. But on the other hand, it is kind of the mainstream one, too, even though it's uh, considered very disappointing by most people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't It doesn't feel very nerdy to me. I mean, I, granted, yeah. and I, I will say... Um, I didn't watch the movie, although I did see um, several, like, you know, extended reviews of it, you know, where people talked, you know, you know, basically, like, I'd know everything that happens in the movie um, even mm-hmm. without having watched it. And and seeing a lot of video up from it, it doesn't it doesn't feel nerdy. It feels it's similar to like J.J. Abrams and Star Trek. Like yeah, if somebody takes something nerdy and it's like, that bad, it's not as bad as that. But it's somebody taking something that that's you know starts without being very nerdy, and they try to sort of make it very mainstream and sort of like tone down the nerdiness of it. Well, see, here's the thing: I feel like J.J. Yeah. Abrams is more like I like space movies. I really love Star Wars. You want to direct Star Trek? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, I, I don't think that's fair. I think it is fair. I don't think he said fair. that he never saw any of the shows or movie. At all before directing that movie, He's, yeah, I think he, said, that he watched a bunch. He said before that movie, but come on. Whereas Zack Snyder, I think, is a fan of Superman, not just the movie. Oh, for sure. But like the comic he for sure also. is a fan. Yeah. Now, does that? I guess he you know, get some pointers for the whole Watchmen. Now, thing. that being said, David Goyer, who was the main screenwriter, eh, maybe not so much. Hard to say, because that guy. I feel like he had, when he's not working directly with Christopher Nolan, it doesn't work as well. I have okay. some issues with that. But okay. that being said, I don't think we can put it above Much Ado. No, I wouldn't. All right, let's move it to a, a sort of a comedy nerdy movie. This is the end. Stay tuned for part three of the podcast.